This is the Education Gadfly Show. Was. <laughs> just in case my friends are listening, yes, I was on the prom court myself. What does Gadfly say? Hello, this is your host, Mike Petrilli of the Thomas B. Fordham Institute here at the Education Gadfly Show and online at FordhamInstitute.org. And now, please welcome our special guest for this week, Jeremy Tate, CEO of the Classic Learning Test. Jeremy, welcome to the show. Mike, thanks for having me. Yeah. Also joining us, our co-host, uh, he does not have his own test, uh, but uh, he likes to test me every week. Nonetheless, David Griffith. I am the test, Mike. You are the test. Well I love it. Jeremy, welcome. Thank uh, you. Jeremy, you you work out in beautiful Annapolis, Maryland. Is that where you live also? We do. Just a couple blocks. CLT's headquartered just a couple blocks from St. John's College. Yeah. Very fitting as we will talk yeah, about it. Yeah, all right. Yeah, so... Uh, I should say to our listeners, we are sweltering here in the, it is uh, warm. In the podcast it is warm. studio, uh, but there's rumors that uh, finally the heat is going to break. We're hoping for it. I, yes. I spent a call. I, I was away as, as listeners. No, if you've been listening every week, I was up in Maine, much cooler, very beautiful. I was just saying I, I got to go lobstering with my sons. That was pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Except at one point, my 11-year-old held up a big old lobster <laughs> right next to my ear. And I thought that, uh, you know, it was going to be kind of a yeah. problem there. A uh, Yeah. Uh, what, what's the, who's, uh, yeah, Rembrandt, Rembrandt, is he the guy with up sure. here? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I thought I was going to be, we ask our guest, is that he's right? Classical, the classic yeah. learning, who, which oh, the gosh. artist without, who, this is spot, who yeah, cut his own course. ear off. Is that Van Gogh? Van Gogh. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's uh, Rembrandt. Story. Exactly. That yeah. wasn't, well, that, there was, I think there's some, I think he mailed it as a gift there's, to a loved one. There's debate, right? About whether he, did he actually uh, cut off his own ear or was that just a rumor? That's my understanding. Is that on the It could be a rumor. It is not on the CLT. All right. Well, let's talk about the CLT in Ed Reform Update. All right, Jeremy. So uh, you recently uh, let me know about this very interesting innovation going on in American education, the classic learning test. Mm -hmm. Basically, the idea is that this would be an alternative to the SAT or ACT. This would be a college admissions test. This is a college admissions test, right, that uh, young people can take. uh, And you've got people taking it and you've got colleges accepting it. Tell us more. Yeah, CLT is about four years old. We've got 170 colleges around the U.S., uh, one in Spain. Uh, they currently accept CLT as a standalone option, uh, but it's also functioning as a supplemental really to any college or university at this point as well. Yeah. So what gave you this idea that this was needed? Yeah, so my background, I was a college counselor uh, in Canesville, Maryland, at Mount DeSales Academy, a great uh, Catholic school. And at the same time, I was running an SAT uh, prep course. Uh, but before that, I spent about eight years in the public school arena. And uh, I became a little more disenchanted as time went on. And the last couple of years, I remember I would start class first day of school. The students probably thought I was a bit nuts. But I I would kind of say, why are we here? What is the point of school? And um, and almost, you know, robotically students would say, and you can probably guess, to get a better job, to get a good Uh job. Um, And this was such a a radical contrast to, um, I think, what has been said about the purpose of education Mm -hmm. for a couple of millennia now. Uh, Plato said it was to learn to love what is beautiful uh, Martin Luther King said the goal is intelligence plus character. It was mm-hmm. never just intelligence. And I think that's been really uh, removed, especially from the mainstream kind of education establishment. Yeah. So there are now a variety of classical schools out there, some private, some in the charter sector. I don't know. Any in the traditional public schools? Yeah. Maybe not so much. Uh, certainly many home schools are, uh, have a classic yeah. approach. And, and the argument here is that kids are having this great experience educationally. And yet when it comes to showing what they've learned, uh, they have to sit down, take the SAT or ACT, uh, which does not 
do a great job capturing uh, everything they've learned uh, from such a classic uh, education background. Is that the notion? So you're finally giving them a better chance to be able to demonstrate, uh, you know, what they've got to bring to a college. That, that's certainly part of it. Uh, I think classically educated students are going to do really well generally on, on any test. And so we didn't launch CLT um, with the idea that classically educated students were at, at this massively unfair disadvantage. Um, what happened with the story of the SAT, and it's an amazing, interesting story. Uh, this goes all the way back to World War One, where they're trying to identify basically uh, the the intelligent people through a cognitive test that did not in any way rely on acquired knowledge mm-hmm. uh, in order to um, figure out where to put people, front lines or, or mm-hmm. back in intelligence. This test evolved into the SAT, which for a long time was a consistent uh, aptitude test. It really didn't favor any particular set of uh, academic standards or curriculum. The SAT since 2016 is now Common Core aligned, as is the ACT as well. Uh, and it's not a one-size-fits-all. So CLT is uh, coming up as a, as a new option, especially because of the power that these tests have to drive curriculum. And so uh, you can imagine as a hypothetical, if SAT and ACT put uh, philosophy back on uh, on the SAT, or if they put classical literature or even religious text, uh, and students had to, to demonstrate their ability to understand those texts, it would have a massively, uh, a huge a huge impact on uh, secondary schools. Yeah, well, you know, we, we've debated this a little bit, Jeremy. I have to That's say, right. I'm not totally sold on on that. Point. I mean, yep. I think that that is certainly some of the hope of, of folks at the college board who oversee the SAT, David yeah. Coleman and Stephanie Sanford. Stephanie's on our board. As you know, we're, we're big fans of the Common Core. So we like the notion that these tests are now aligned to the Common Core uh, and, and that they could benefit kids who are getting a strong high school education that's aligned to the Common Core. But, you know, look, for a long time, uh, the SAT and the ACT have been out there and I don't see a lot of evidence that high schools have really focus their curriculum and instruction around them. I mean, high schools have sort of been doing what high schools do forever, um, you know, with their, you know, chopped up subject areas and, uh, you know, six classes a day. And anyways, I I don't know. I mean, David, you, you taught in a high school Were you guys doing SAT or ACT prep in a sense. (sighs) Yeah. I mean, no, but I mean, it's, yeah, that's, I mean, it's, I found myself agreeing with both of you, right? I mean, it is a weird test in some yeah. ways, yeah. right? It's just that the, the, the educators and the schools aren't being held accountable for the performance of their students on the SAT or ACT, at least not directly, in the same way that they are when it comes to the accountability exams in the younger grades. So yeah, I, I, I just, I don't, that. you know, so that, that, you know um, but it is interesting that we certainly have this debate within the private school choice world. Yeah. Where we say, okay, if there's going to be public funding for private schools, uh, we at Fordham have said it makes sense that those kids should take a test uh, and we should know as the public whether we're getting good value for our money. And there's a debate about whether it should be the state test or there should be a range of tests. And, uh, you know, we we, we tend to err towards the state test, but we've I've been pretty persuaded by our friends in the private school choice world that there, you know, there is a concern that if you're if you're encouraging choice, you want schools to be able to be different. And that, uh, you know, if, if a school has to take the state test and is going to be judged by it, there's going to be some pressure to align the curriculum in that way. If you give them yeah. a choice, then they can find a test that aligns nicely. And the same idea here, right? You're, you're allowing students to choose a test that better aligns with the uh, yeah. mode of education that they're going through. Yeah. I mean, what's funny about what you just said, Mike, is like, I mean, I'll be interested in your reaction to this. Yeah. Right? I, like, <laughs> it's the argument that we need educational pluralism, right? Or is it that, like, or that we need a common, you know, I mean, in other words, you're talking about a classical uh, sort of range of material, right? Which one traditionally associates with sort of the, 
like the assumption that we should all have a common body of knowledge, everyone should know the canon, yes. right? But yeah. it's sort of being justified on this like alternative right. route. And right. I'm not, I don't necessarily disagree with that. It's right. just kind of, I don't know, it's interesting. Oh, like, right. I mean, this idea of a canon and tradition is such a fringe idea at this point. I mean, well, that's yeah. kind of what it feels yeah, like, right? For sure. Yeah, no, that, so, that was, that was, it was a question. That was a question. Yeah, it wasn't in phrase. I, mean, yeah. so so I, I, I never would have had, I don't think anybody would have objected, especially to the SAT yeah. before 1994 when a lot, when a lot of the yeah. big changes, that's when they added the calculator. Um, it was a good test. And I think it actually deferred back then to curricular diversity. And that yeah. was good. The SAT and ACT now are intended to be, again, you know, as you know, love Common Core or hate it. If there's a parent who, who removed their son or daughter from a public school arena because they felt like Common Core is anti-fiction or anti-classics or anti-religion, um, it's, it's odd for them to only have Common Core aligned college entrance exams as their only two possible mm-hmm. options. And so CLT on the one hand, yet yeah, to the degree to which it were an achievement test, we're rewarding familiarity with the great books for sure. Um, I think the ability, and we've even seen from the data side, uh, the limited number of public school students who take the CLT, they tend not to do as well on the philosophy and religion portion because they may just not be as familiar with those kinds of texts. Mm-hmm. You know, another area that I wonder about for CLT is whether whether it could put some implicit pressure on the college board to do some advanced placement courses that are focused on the classics, you know? And yeah. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't even know well enough to know what the closest ones they've got. I mean, they've got a world history uh, exam, but I don't think you know, do, is, is there anything that comes close? I guess AP Latin would be maybe the closest. AP Latin would come close, you know, and, and we see CLTs as a small part of, of a much larger, I think people often call it the classical renewal movement. And it, it's, it's this, this world that has come together between the homeschool world and the classical charters and the, and groups like yeah. the association of classical Christian schools, where they're realizing there's a really common thread of saying that there's this beautiful tradition uh, that in some ways has been ignored, you know, kind of by the mainstream establishment. Yeah, no, that's right. And this could be one, one more uh, little piece of it that could help to encourage it's the hope for sure. All right, great. Well, thanks again, Jeremy Tate, CEO of the Classic Learning Test CLT. Thank People you. can check this out online, I'm sure. CLTExam.com. Yeah. Please do check us out and you can take a free practice test online and, and even see how that compares to your SAT and ACT score from back in the day. You, you know what we're totally going to do is we're going to make Checker Ooh, take man. this test. Let's go yeah. make Checker take it because, you know, Checker, I, I, you know, he always comes off as the kind of guy who would an a- ace an exam like that, but okay. I, I want to see. What we'll report back. Fordham retreat activity? Yeah. Ooh, I like that. So the, there good. is no perfect score to date. The highest uh, is a 119 okay. out of a possible 120. So okay. checker can break. There, there's a, a reward Challenge for that. Challenge yep. accepted. Yeah. All right. right. It's we'll, on. We'll see. All right. Thanks again, Jeremy. All right. All right. Now it's time Thank for you, everyone's Michael. favorite Amber's Research Minute. Amber, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Mike. Well, we just had a nice chat with Jeremy there from the Classic Learning Test. I have to say, I'm always nervous when I'm talking to classical learning folks because as a guy who went through the traditional public schools myself and Mm -hmm. a nondescript suburb outside St. Louis, I always feel like I did not necessarily get the best grounding in the classics. I did have one course, and actually two courses in in college that were the great books. So I got some. Yep. But I certainly never took Latin, Greek. I think there's a whole bunch of those classics I never read. And I, I, I need to get to them. I took a year of Latin in fifth grade. Fifth grade? Fifth grade? <laughs> Interesting. Right. Wow. Well, I that took it in cool. high school. <laughs> <laughs> did you? So yeah, did you? Like, did you? One and, year. And did wow. you teach any of the classics well, in, in high yeah, school? Heck yeah. I mean, no, classics I thought, as in like. Oh, oh, I mean, I taught AP English. I taught classic works of literature. That's a classic. 
Well, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> How far back are we talking about? Well, I mean, Pilgrim's I mean, Progress. That's kind of back there. I mean, and, and some and some Plato, a little bit of Plato. You I did mean, read some Plato. Little that's tiny bit of Plato. Plato. 11th right. graders really aren't down with Plato, yeah. I got to say. But yeah. I was in Oxford and we could go on about the differences between... <sighs> Uh, European education and American education. They started kids uh, in Latin in fourth grade yeah, and sure. wow. Greek in sixth grade. Well, it is crazy, by the way. I, I was talking about this the other day with a friend who's who's from Australia and talking about the, the schools here. And, mm. you know, of course, her biggest complaint is why on earth do we wait until middle school to start mm. teaching kids foreign languages here? Mm. That doesn't make any sense. Right. And we I didn't want to tell her- teach I, kids everything as I, early I, as possible. I didn't want to tell right? her the, the honest they know answer. know it all. The honest answer is, hey- Look at the map. Okay, we got these two big oceans on either side. All right. Yeah. Everybody speaks English. Okay. That's basically what we think here in this country. Who really needs a foreign language? <laughs> That's I'm so just bad. kidding. We've so talked we've had this debate, haven't it's we? Bad, but okay. It's bad. It's bad, but uh, it's true, but and it's bad. Well, in terms of priorities, I'm just saying that uh, yeah. you know, look, it, it, it may not be at the very top of the list. That's true. All right. Amber, what you got for us? I have got a fun, it's kind of a fun study. You know, it's um, it's something different. You sent it to me, Mike, a couple uh, weeks ago. Mm-hmm. It was from a sociologist at a Mount Holyoke college. It was covered in the Atlantic, yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. Usually I'm like, you send me these random, I'm like, oh boy, that's a doozy. <laughs> but this one was kind of fun. So I'm All like, right. I'll do it. So okay. it was in a sociology journal. Um, and again, it was... Um, yeah, well, I think it's about two weeks ago. Anyway, it's a, basically a study that shows how peers potentially impact other peer behaviors. We hear a lot about this right. peer effects and yeah. peer blah, 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 mm-hmm. um, peer pressure. They use data from the National Longitudinal Study of Adolescent Health, Ad Health, mm-hmm. which we've actually never used that around here. We, but, maybe we should. Uh, it's a nationally representative school-based longitudinal survey of adolescents focused on health, mm-hmm. hence why it's called the Health Survey. It contains info on demographics, family characteristics, school performance, engagement, recreational activities, friendships, and sexuality, plus a bunch of other stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, The data set includes multiple waves of data from the 1990s fielded in 132 high schools and administered to over 90,000 kids. Mm -hmm. This particular study, however, draws from a subset of 20,000 kids who were interviewed interviewed how much how much does it cost to wow. run this federal study right Oof. they were interviewed and asked to name a best friend and up to four additional friends of each sex mm-hmm. schools that had at least a 50 percent response rate for this friendship question were used in this in the study he modeled four behavioral outcomes sports participation fighting drinking alcohol and smoking cigarettes They are looking at whether the behavior of the responding students basically reflects the behavior of the most central individual in a high school. All right. So this gets a little little interesting how how they define popularity. This is getting interesting. (laughs) Um, So being popular is defined as those who are friends with the kids who have the most friends, not the kids who everybody else think is popular. Right. Oh, interesting. Okay. Wow. Hey, so it's I have not- a chance here. Hang on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the kids who are named as having the most friends are at the center of the network. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, he also looks at whether the behaviors differ when compared to a randomly randomly selected same-sex individual. Mm-hmm. In other words, the average of the behavioral measures for three randomly selected same-sex kids from a respondent same school and same grade. He uses... Basically, regression models. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So it's associ- <laughs> it's associations. Okay. No, no causality here. Yeah. All right. Findings. Number one, student behaviors did indeed resemble their friends' behaviors. Uh-huh. But 
There is no indication that the behaviors are related to social popularity as defined in the study, which I just told you how it was defined. In short, the behavior of the central students in the network is no more predictive of subsequent peer behavior than is the behavior of a random individual in the network. Mm -hmm. That said, of the four outcomes, playing sports is the variable most associated with social centrality. In other words, it's the positive behavior that was most sort of caught on not the three other negative behaviors of smoking oh, and okay. drinking and yeah, yeah. all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, analysts summarize that well-connected peers appear not to have an outsized impact on what peers do. Still, I think, eh, maybe we got this wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, it may be that they ask about the wrong behaviors. Okay, think about your own high school experience. Maybe peers influence smaller behaviors like how you dress or the music mm-hmm. you listen to. Maybe not whether you're going to smoke or drink or something. Um, and or they maybe they ask the wrong kids. Okay, so maybe they had the wrong reference. So maybe it's the kids in your neighborhood who influence you more than the kids in your high school. Who knows? Um, so there's a lot of discussion in the paper about what's going on here. So anyway, what do you think? <laughs> so what do you think is going on? So the, the short version is that your 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 kids' friends don't matter. Is that my guess? Is that right? Well, no, your saying, their friends matter, matter. right? Because okay, but now, not like you know ethically, morally, but like at a behaviorally. No, that that well, if you want to know how your kid is behaving, look right. at how their friends are behaving, right? And uh, well, is that fair they say? said their behaviors are their behaviors are the same, but it's yeah. no more. Similar than if you picked out a random randomized kid. So no, even though oh, they're the oh, same, okay. that's okay. not some. There's not an association there, even so though they do. Of see the, the friends or the central of the popular kids. This is where I got confused. I thought I thought you said that they do <laughs> tend to behave, behave in similar ways as their friends. Friends' behaviors. That's right. But not as the popular the kids. kids. Do. I think that's right. That's yeah. what I have written down here. As their. I mean, I don't know. Behavior. It's like the age old thing as parents. Well, pay attention to who your kids' friends are. Right. Right. So it does matter who your kids are. at who the other kids are in the high school. It matters. <laughs> it matters. Well, it's the, it's they're right. I think Mike's right. Your, your behaviors are like your friends, but not like your the popular kid, right? Okay. Who yeah. you're compared to. It's okay. no more different than if you were compared to a random kid in the high school. Right. Okay. Yeah. And the, the way they compare the popular is it's interesting that, you know, would we define popular kids this way as the kids who have the most friends, friends. Um, I mean, it sort of is that, but it's not exactly that's that, right. right? That's right. And that's what they talk about too. Like you might have some idea, like necessarily popular kids sometimes don't have the most friends. They mm-hmm. just, everybody thinks they're popular because they dress cool right. or they're the quarterback or whatever. Or they're, they're the homecoming queen. Yes. Yeah. Sure. Was that something you experienced? Uh, I was in the homecoming court. Uh, Thank you. I it. was. <laughs> I, just in case my friends are listening. Yes, I was on the prom court myself. <laughs> David, well, you too? You I'm from Portland. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't have those things. <laughs> it's just a badge of shame. But to be fair, when I got voted onto the yes. prom court and once upon a time as the king of hearts. Wow, I the was. king of hearts. But let it be known, I had cancer at the time. Oh, so, no. you know, talk oh, about right, a pity vote. Right, right. I mean, how uh, can you not lose? I mean, you can't lose that vote if right. you do. Oh, yeah. my so there God. You go. It has to be more than that. Listeners, you're learning so much today. Yes. All right. All Interesting. Right. Well, hey, a good one to get us 
geared I mean, up for the new of, school year. Right, right. Kind right. of fun. We I'm never do confused. these. So- I'm still confused. High do these sociology. Right. I, I just still think parents need to pay attention to who their kids' friends, friends are. are. Right. Because- I know my mom did. Mm-hmm. She definitely did. <laughs> Uh, like I was not allowed to go over one particular friend's house, like uh-huh. hardly ever, That's because her parents were never home and they yep. were having parties all the time. That so she caught on quickly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. Hey, that's all the time we got for this week. Till next week. I'm Dave Griffith. And I'm Mike Pichoy. The Thomas B. Fordham Institute, signing off. The Education Gap Plus Show is a production of the Thomas B. Fordham Institute, located in Washington, D.C. For more information, visit us online at FordhamInstitute.org.